You stand on the shore of the ocean watching the tide come in. You sense the call of the sea beckoning to take you further. You step forward little by little, not knowing what to expect, but expecting more. You keep going as the ocean calls, calls you to enter in to deeper waters. everyone, I'm Nick Peters, host of the Deeper Waters Podcast, coming to you live from my studio in my own apartment, which is just simply my office here in Cumming, Georgia. I was hoping I'd have a guest for today, but things weren't working out, and we're still working on who's going to be on next week, but I've got a few possibilities and such. I'm sorry for everything, the thought lies entirely with me. But today, my family recommend my parents and my wife, and when those two agree, they're great advisors, that I should do my own talk. And I figure I'd just go for an hour today or so. But this month, I'm going to talk a lot about marriage. You know, when I'm at the Mention of Bars conference in May, and... You can go to a website, Mentioner Bar's website, if you want to find out more about that. In, I think it's Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm going to be doing a breakout session talking about disabilities and Christian marriage. And marriage is something extremely important to me, and I'd really like you all to know why. See, back in August of 2009, I was actually working at the Christian Research Institute at the time. And I got off work, and I'd heard that Gary Habermas was going to be at Southern Evangelical Seminary. Now, Gary Habermas and I had communicated some when he'd come to our church earlier there in Charlotte to speak. And I wanted to talk with him about doubt some. It wasn't because I doubted Christianity. It was because I doubted myself many times. I was not the person with the most confidence out there and most any criticism could send me for a loop, as it were. And Gary and I communicated some, so I heard he was going to be at the seminary. So I drop in on my way home and see him. He's teaching a week-long module, might as well. And I go in and see him, and I get there long before his class would start. And we're out in the lobby talking, and... When it says to us, he says, Nick, you know who Mike Lacona is? Yeah, I know who he is. He wrote, co-op the case for the resurrection of Jesus with you, and he was here just last year, I think it was, debating Bart Ehrman on the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. Did you know he has a daughter? No. This is news to me. And I was thinking, she must not be that old at all, because... Mike, he looks awfully young, you know? And he said, yeah, he, he does have one. And uh, I was talking back there with Frank Turek and some of the others here. And she's going to have a hard time, and we were talking about her. And it got brought up that she has Asperger's. 
And Frank Turek said, well, Nick Peters has Asperger's. And I guess Gary just made the connection there between the two of us. And Gary invited me to sit in on his class for a little bit. I sat in on the first half of it. I didn't want to take up the whole thing because, you know, there are people paying for the class and such. And I didn't just want to get a free gift or anything. But I went up to him during break because I'd been thinking about Mike's daughter, like I said. And he said, and he said you know, she's really lonely. And you know what she'd like more than anything else? A boyfriend. A boyfriend. Yep, I knew it, but. I've been down this road of internet relationships. I really didn't want to go down again, but I could be good and supportive. Interestingly, I found out later that the day he talked to me was actually her 19th birthday. Now, I sent her an email, and I don't remember what I said, but she responded, and she was very kind, and I think her parents were okay with it because, you know, Gary knows me, so I gotta be okay, all right? And when I was talking with her, she actually had a guy that she was trying to get back together with again. And she saw my Facebook picture, and my picture at the time screamed nerd entirely. Practically. Personally, I hope it still does. You know, it, it's a badge I wear with honor, but she said, nope, this guy's a nerd. I want to save my old guy. But we kept talking and talking and talking and talking. And before too long, this guy she was interested in, he was fading in her mind. And I was filling up her mind. And... I was starting to look at her and think, this, this could be something more serious. And on Labor Day, she pretty much just asked me, would you like, would you like us to be a couple? I said, yeah, I think that'd be good. And that's when it all started. And my roommate at the time was noticing all this going on too and such. And we would talk and talk and talk again and again. She'd be on Theology Web. There's a little chat box up there called the chat box. We would be flooding it before the whole world and such. Instant message going on constantly. Yeah. Things were going big. And then in October, it was arranged that I would go to Atlanta and meet her. Our first date, I took her to the Georgia Aquarium. And that evening even, we had a dance together to, to Eyes on Me, a song from Final Fantasy VIII, which was played at our wedding. And I, I did stay there that weekend. I can assure everyone, separate rooms. I stayed in Mike and Debbie's guest room. They had no problem with it. And left that weekend... Things were totally different. And when I got back, my roommate David told our mutual friend Chris, we better start booking a wedding chapel. Later that month, I took Ari to meet my parents, which was a really big step. I spent Thanksgiving with her family, 
And around that time, I was also searching for a ring. Yeah, it was that serious. And her parents knew this already. They were so supportive because my mother-in-law, at that time my future mother-in-law, gave me a gemstone that had been in her family and said she wanted me to use it. Now, she told us it was a pink sapphire, or told me that. We've gone to see a juror to have it cleaned before, and the juror said, no, it's not a pink sapphire. We don't know what it is, but it's a very pretty stone. Early in December, I told my parents my plans. I said, uh, see, my aunt had owed me some money, and she said to me, I found a juror here in the area, managed by a ring, called my parents, said, I'm going to propose to Allie. And I called her parents, and I asked for their blessing. And guys, I think that's something very good to do, especially if the lady you're dating still lives with her parents, because they've raised this girl their whole lives, and you're coming in and saying, I'm going to take it from here. Can you trust me with this person who means so much to you that you've been, that you've looked after your whole lives? And my in-laws didn't really have any trouble with me. They've, they've loved me from the beginning. And that despite our age difference, I'm nearly 10 years older than our years. On Christmas Eve, I was supposed to spend Christmas with my family. Now, I lived in North Carolina, and my family lives in, lives in Tennessee, but they always have. And if you know anything about the area, there was a rock slide of sorts blocking the interstate that time. So we would have to take a long way around. So I got in touch with AAA, because this was the day bef before iPhones and GPS systems and such. At least I think it was. You know, even if I had an iPhone... I still would have needed to know the proper way to go, because my phone would have kept going throughout of the GPS. Yeah, I think I did have an iPhone, so scratch all that, but it, the GPS would have wanted to go via route, so I got another way to go. Anyway, I picked Allie up at the airport on Christmas Eve. Her parents had flown her in, and I was by herself. She was supposed to arrive at 1.04. She got there about 12.48 or so. I got in off work at n noon that day, and I met the airport by around 12.30. And there is a statue of Queen Charlotte at the Charlotte Airport. It's got a star-shaped pool around it, and it's a fountain statue. And I told Allie I wanted her to go out there and see it. We've discussed it several times. She was totally oblivious to my plans. I mean, I think she was hoping I'd propose to her, but she had no idea it would be that soon over Christmas. But we're out there, and I've got this ring in the box in my pocket. And you pay attention here, guys, because I'm fumbling in my pocket. Because, you know, when you pour it out and you open it, you want it to go the right way so a ring doesn't come far into the ground and such. I was doing some checks. Yep, yep, that's how it opens, okay. And so finally I ask her a question I've been preparing for a while. And I say, Princess, have you ever thought about being a queen? 
So I've always called her princess from the very start. And she says, only if you're the king. And I say, well, I guess you've made this easy for me. And I bend down on that one knee. Yep, I did this the classical way. And she is just shocked and stunned. And just ask the question, Ali Lacona, will you marry me? And of course she says yes. And we're both happy and smiling and stunned because my cell phone went off at just that moment. And it was actually, we, we were thinking it was probably my mom. Because, you know, my mom, she calls at the worst possible times. I was half right. It was my mother-in-law, my future mother-in-law, Debbie Lacona. And she wanted to let me know Ari's plane had arrived early. Rest assured, I did not check the phone when it called. I waited until we were done, then I went back and checked the message. But my mother-in-law has had this strange phobia that I would kind of hold this story over her head and use it as an embarrassment. And uh, I would think people would know that I... I'm not that kind of person. I mean, I'm above that thing. I'm not going to go around and mention constantly that it was uh, Debbie Lacona, my future mother-in-law, now my current mother-in-law, who called right in the middle of my proposal to her daughter. Yep, see, I, I'm I'm not the kind of guy who mentions that kind of thing. But we start the drive to Tennessee. I decided to call David on the way to tell him that... I had popped the question, and she had said yes. He knew this was coming. He'd already, in fact, moved out. Girls, he knew where everything was going. I couldn't reach him. And I called someone else, and then I see I got a voicemail from him. And I check out voice, and he says, Hey, Nick, I just want to say congratulations. Uh, Debbie's already put up on Facebook. And uh, that is yeah, Debbie who called when I was proposing to Allie, just so you know. And... Allie's calling everyone she knows. I mean, we're all so busy and such. Now, it's late, snowy drive. Getting to Knoxville, going through the Newport area, the northeastern Tennessee area and such. Roads I haven't been on. It's night. There's snow coming. I'm having to be extremely careful. So we are the last ones to get at our first stop, which is just the way I think it was meant to be. And keep in mind here, a lot of these people here, some of them might not have even heard of Allie at this point. But I tell Allie, I said, this is how it's going to be. Because she's got her ring on her left hand. And I say, hey, follow my lead here. I take her left hand and my right hand, and I cover up her ring intentionally. She knows about this. So I'll go in, and I just... We have last, like I said, we're the last one was getting in. Every eye is on us as we walk into the living room area. And I say, hey, uh, everyone, uh, this is Allie. She and I have been dating for a few months now. And as of a few hours ago, she's become somewhat more important in my life. And I release my hand, there's a ring, and I dive out of the way from every single woman rushing up there wanting to see that ring immediately. And we pretty much dominated Christmas that that day. We went to my aunt's house next to a big family get-together and did the same thing, showed everyone the ring, took a picture of it, and it was up on Facebook, everything. Next few months were spent 
getting ready for a wedding, which I'd already arranged, to be on July 24th. He didn't have a place yet, but it's going to be on July 24th. And in fact, it had been Ari's idea that where we'd get married, that Gary Habermas should perform the wedding since he introduced us. And he agreed to that. So if you are looking on Facebook at my wedding pictures and you think, that minister looks a whole lot like Gary Habermas, there's a good reason for that, because that is Gary Habermas. Now, I've always told him, if uh, you know, if you suddenly decide you don't want to do this apologetics thing anymore, you could always try a business as a matchmaker. You seem to have a good knack for it. But I'd pick the date because I was trying to think of a good date, looking up the calendar ahead. I knew I wanted to be in the summer because I'm a student, didn't want to miss classes. And I look and I see July 24th is a Saturday. Next day is a full moon. And I was planning on taking her to Ocean Isle Beach for our honeymoon, which is what I did. I thought, full moon, first night on the beach for our honeymoon. Too good to pass up. So as we did. Now, keep in mind, guys. Or should I say girls? When a guy's planning things, everything revolves around the honeymoon. Like this. Yeah, we... You know what we guys are thinking about. Now, the next month I go back to seminary. And, you know, a lot of students know me on Facebook and such. But I, I go and wonder... I wonder how many people know what's happened here. So I go in my mailbox there at seminary and put out a little brochure. Talks about everything that's going on at seminary that week with prayer requests and praises and such. And there on that section, it, I see written, God's blessings on Nick Peters and Ari, Ari Lacona's engagement. Well, I guess the secret's out. And I'm in class, and my professor's talking about how he wants us all paying attention. He says, he says I, don't, I don't want Nick just sitting over here daydreaming, rubbing his hands together, thinking, I'm getting married, I'm getting married. Which is true, by the way. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, it, this was an exciting time. And I honestly don't remember much of what went on that seven months there. I mean, it was a lot of wedding plans of my saying, yes, dear, yes, dear, whatever you want. Because, I mean, honestly, we men, we just, the wedding is just pretty much for the women, for the most part. We men don't get into it as much. The main thing is, do we see over dear? That's it. I was planning for honeymoon. That is the thing the men plan. Our wedding reception would normally be 20 minutes tops. Can't think of it. We might have stayed at our wedding reception for 20 minutes. But our wedding was really essentially a fairy tale wedding. I mean, we were told something always goes wrong. Don't worry about it. Well, I can't think of anything that went wrong. I really can't. Although knowing we had two groomsmen, each one accused the other one of being the one about to pass out. Neither one did. I can say the bachelor party beforehand, a few nights before, had to be one of the tamest bachelor parties of all time. Because pretty much I went up to David's apartment there. He was living at a big fancy apartment because he was a living assistant for a kid who had a stroke. And this kid's family was incredibly wealthy, so they hired David to help out. And we went to this kind of area upstairs, top of a big pool and everything, except we didn't care about the pool. We went in one room with a big screen TV 
and we played Super Smash Brothers all night long. We were Smash Brothers Brawl. That was all we did. That was our bachelor party. Yep. But we, Allie and I had a great wedding. We, her parents paid for us to have a limo to take us to a hotel that evening and such and start our new lives together. And we went out the next day to Oceanile Beach. And guys, let me tell you a little tip here. I'm in ministry. I love my books. I love studying. But here's something I did. No Facebook. No emails. No books besides the Bible. The whole week. And I'd gotten in touch with my parents and her parents and said, we love you. But please do not contact us this week unless it is an emergency. Because guys, let me tell you, you're going to have all the time in the world to discuss what people said about the wedding later on. You're going to have all the time in the world to share things on Facebook and such. And it, it, it's my thing that when you start talking about whatever people think about your wedding and talking about that over and over on a honeymoon, you're kind of inviting other people on your honeymoon un unintentionally. Let that week be a week that you focus only on one another. And if you're in me and you like ministry, don't do ministry work that week. Now, of course, if someone comes to you up on the street and wants to know how to be saved and such, yeah, that's something different or if some emergency pops up, but don't plan any ministry work because you know what? Your new family is a ministry and you need to be focused on it. Now, I wrote a lot about marriage before I got married. I wrote a lot about sex before I got married. I think it was good stuff. It was true stuff. I also think, to quote Thomas Aquinas, it was as straw compared to everything I know now. Because, you know, once you have it, once you get married... It changes you. You're different. And people started noticing around me, especially. One of the things I like to talk about, for instance, is some people might be surprised to know it, is that I'm terrified of water. Now, I don't mean that, like, I've got a glass of water here that I'm drinking. That doesn't scare me, okay? But I'm talking about getting in water. I mean, it wasn't until a few years after we were married that I was able to wash my face in the shower. It's still hard for me to do that. It's just a very awkward experience. But, Allie, and she on our honeymoon, she got me in a swimming pool, which is one thing, but she got me to move away from the edge of the pool, which I usually clung to for dear life, into the five-foot section, holding on to her. I tell people I was of two minds then. One mind is, I can't believe the effect this woman is having on me. She's motivating me to do this. She's, she's making me want to do things like this. I'm so amazed by this. The other side, swinging, she's trying to kill me and collect insurance money. Of course, the second side wasn't rational, but there was that voicing. No, no, it has to be, has to be something like that. Because I'm that terrified of water. And she actually got me out into the ocean about waist deep or so. 
You know, another thing Ali has done for me is we're both on the autism spectrum. We both have Asperger's. I used to go to the store and buy some of those frozen pizzas, cut them into quarters, and have a quarter every night for dinner. You'd go to our freezer and you'd see three or four in there. David saw this, and I told him maybe a couple of years or so after getting married, I said, I don't have pizzas in our freezer anymore. Wow. Why? Because Ali's actually got me to expand my diet. I can go to many, many more restaurants now than I could beforehand. And we all know it's because women have this strange, mysterious power over us men. But Ari does. Ari's always motivated me to want to be a better man. Because, guys, I tell you, when, when a lady is willing to give you all her trust in marriage, she shares her very self with you, there's nothing like it. That kind of intimacy, it's sacred. There's no comparison for it. And that sacred trust makes me as a man want to strive to be worthy of Allie. If she's going to be giving me this much trust, I want to lift it. Because, you know, every time we give someone this kind of trust, it is a risk. We could be rejected or we could be hurt every time, but Every time it's taken, it's saying, you are worth the risk. And you know, I was the guy in school who was always passed up in such friend zone as a world we'd have for it. I always wanted to get married. It's never thought I would. If you told me on July 24th, 2009, that I would be married within a year's time, I would have laughed in your face. I would have been wrong, too. And marriage, it also helps show you where you're lacking. It showed me many areas in my life I need to work on. And many of my friends note that I am far more mature now that I have married. Oh, sure, there's still a kid side of me that's a jokester, a prankster, and things of that sort, but there's a side of me now that's far more mature than ever was before. Because I've got someone depending on me. Someone who I'm responsible for. And I can tell you, I'm normally mild-mannered and things of that sort. But if someone goes like on Facebook and they say something intentionally to hurt Audi, stay out of the way. Do not get in my way when that happens. Rage is the only word to describe it. I'm on a warpath, Finn. And my philosophy is we do not negotiate with terrorists. I take no prisoners at this point. Because I know those things deeply hurt Ali. Far more than others probably realize. And I do not put up with it. I am her knight at that point, and I deal with anyone who wants to go against her. I think people who know this who are on Facebook know, if this happens, sit back, pop some popcorn, enjoy the show, because when her husband shows up, 
It's going to get nasty. He is going to go after someone, and he will not stop. No, I don't. Now he is, aside from Jesus Christ, the greatest force of good for me in my life. And, you know, I'm so passionate about marriage because I see so many people are screwing things up. And, you know, I'm not perfect in it either. I still got a lot to learn. We go see a therapist together because we're still learning and such, but I try. I'll regularly get marriage books on my Kindle and make it on sale and read through them in addition to my apologetics books because I want to succeed at marriage so much. And I cringe when I look at the mistakes that I see young people making, especially mistakes they're making in the areas of sex and marriage they do not realize is going to hurt them. And one thing I can say that I'm thankful for Allie and I were virgins on the night of our wedding. Allie is the only person I've ever made love to. And I'm the only person she's ever made love to. We have that sacred trust. And it is something beautiful. That I am the only person in the world she trusts entirely of herself. And while I've been shy many times in the past before, it never has been shyness around Allie. Not like that. I think Allie is the only woman who really looks at me and sees what she thinks is a good-looking man. I still don't understand that. You know, at this point in the show, about halfway through the talk that I'm giving and I would like you to know that what I do here it is sponsored by people like you and I could really use your support please go to deeperwatersapologetics.com and there's a link on the side help support the work of Deeper Waters Christian Ministries you click on that link and you get taken to the Ministry of Risen Jesus my in-laws including Debbie, who called when I was proposing. And you get you talk with me or Allie or Mike or Debbie and let us know that you uh, you made a donation, you want to go to us, you want to go to Deeper Waters, we will get that. It will be tax deductible. And you can buy ebooks I've written or coven, such as a Creed for the Ages, The Apostles' Creed in Today's Christian, or God and Natural Disasters, or Groundless, Christian Answers to Generations Questions, and especially Defining Inerrancy. And we have a jewelry store. If you guys are thinking of popping a question on Valentine's Day, go to the store. Wherever you purchase, 25% goes to deeper waters. And guys, please go on iTunes and leave some positive reviews. I love to see them, and it's been a while since I've seen a new one. I check it regularly. I just like to know you're listening to a show and you like it. But anyway, I, I see a lot of young people making mistakes. Guys, let me tell you one. And I, I know a lot of women struggle with this one, but we men, we're the ones who normally do. And this is something I never struggled with. But I know many guys do, and 
Guys get rid of porn. Okay? There is nothing that can beat a real woman right before you. A woman who actually wants you and cares about you and trusts you for very self. See, when I see Ari, Ari doesn't have to compete with several other women I've seen in pornography. It's her and her alone. You know, guys, there are some men that have been so conditioned by pornography, they have to take Viagra in their 20s. Because a real woman can no longer arouse them because they've seen so many fake ones. Guys, do you really want that to be you? Do you really want to be in your 20s and have to take Viagra just to make love to your wife? And if you have to take it at your 20s, imagine what it's going to be like in your 30s and your 40s. Is that what you want? There's no gain from pornography. It doesn't require you to be a man. It doesn't require you to go out there and actually impress a woman and win her heart. All you have to do is make a few clicks and you get something. Be a man. Go out there and actually get the woman. And I can tell you, you can have a whole lot more joy for a real woman than you can with an image on a screen. Yes, if you do porn, you're throwing away a part of your sexuality very early on. Look, I get it. Women are beautiful. They are. They are very beautiful. You want to know what's underneath all those clothes. Yes, you do. Earn that privilege. Live with a woman in such a way that she will give you that trust. Now, women, let's talk to you. Okay? I get it. You want to be loved. I know you do. But, you know what, you have to ask yourself, how much does a guy think I am worth? How much? You know, the medieval philosophers, they would all say that every human being is worth more than the universe. And it's true. Every single one of you out there is worth the price of a death of the Son of God in God's eyes. He paid that much for you. That's how much you're worth. And you know what, when, when you reveal your entire body to a man and you have sex with him, you're telling him also what it takes to get you. What does it take? Does it just take dinner and a movie? Or three dates? Or a month? Or a few months or engagement or a year or such? How much does it take? How about if it takes this? How about if it takes a lifetime commitment paid in advance as it were beforehand? But a man has to stand before a man and God and say, I do to you and commit his whole life exclusively to you before you are going to give him everything you have with your body. And if a man says, but I'm not willing, and you know what? That is a man who really doesn't care about you. 
He cares more about what he can get from you. Just because a man has sex with you, girls, it doesn't mean he loves you. He could, but it doesn't mean it. Or, you know, at that point, he loves sex with you. And if you weren't willing to give and he's not loving you, then I guess you have your answer. But make him really pursue you. Pursue you all the way to the altar. Because, girls, you are worth it. When you give your bodies away in advance, without that commitment, you're very really cheapening yourselves. Every time my wife shares her body with me, it's still something truly beautiful, something sacred and awesome. It's a privilege I don't take lightly. In when it comes to sex, I really hesitate to use the word because it's so emotional and mystical at times, but magical is the only way I can describe it. There is something powerful and transforming about the act. There is something unique when Ari gives me her entire body in trust and desire, and I do the same thing to her. There's really nothing that compares to it. And some of you out there might be thinking, well, I don't see what the big deal is. It's just sex. Well, you know what? As soon as you say that, you've already cheapened that as well. It's just sex. So you're saying sex is really no big deal. It's just something you do. Well, it is a big deal. It's not just something you do. It's the communication you make with your body. That tells you how much the other person is worth to you. I could compare it to nuclear energy. If you have nuclear energy and it's being contained within the right parameters and guidelines and a power plant and things of that sort, it has wonderful results that bless everyone who uses it. But if you mishandle nuclear energy, you treat it wrongly, and you don't use it the way it was meant to be used, you get something like Chernobyl, a disaster. And sex is far more powerful than anything nuclear is. Please also, don't be living together before you get married. It's pretty much just putting the other person to a test and such. It's really making a sham of commitment. And... You're lying with your bodies, essentially, saying we're going to act like we're married, even though we're not married. And by God, this other person better measure up because they are meant to make me happy. You know, one of the things you have to learn in marriage, it's not about making you happy. You should be seeking more. Is how you can make the other person happy. Our anniversary every year is on July 24th, and I tell people, we have the anniversary on July 24th, I'm planning the next one on July 25th. It starts then. I'm shopping at a store. I'm looking at every single item seeing. Is there something I can get here that can put a little smile on Ari's face? Anything I can do. It's very self-sacrificial in that sense.
you have to die to yourself. There are many times I would like to be able to buy more things for my own self sometimes, but I put them on hold. Because you know what? That thing that I can get for Ari, seeing her happy means a whole lot more to me than that. Guys, for you men out there live trying to make your wives happy. You know what? That means you actually do things for them. Seriously, do you expect to come home from work, plop your feet up on a footstool, reach for a remote, ask your wife to bring you dinner, say absolutely nothing to her, and then expect to have a romantic evening that night? Get real. It's no way to live. It's not going to work. Guys, believe it or not, maybe every now and then you should pick up a vacuum cleaner. And actually be cleaning things around the house some. Maybe you should clean off the dishes that you bring to the sink. Maybe you should learn how to do laundry. Maybe you should learn how to cook. Now, some of you, if your wives say, please don't, if they say you're messing things up worse and such then be willing to leave it at that. But try and be supportive. Whatever your wife's love language is, please learn it. My wife's love language is gifts. It's one reason I'm always shopping for gifts. I want to give her things. I want to surprise her entirely. Guys, you can't do absolutely nothing with your wives and expect her to want to be romantic with you in the evening because you've spent all day at that point turning her off. What we really impress her is when you're, you start helping her out some. You know, you women on the other hand, you don't really realize it, but men, every man is really insecure. Every man wants to one-up every other man and show that he is for men. I remember when I worked at CRI, <clears throat> at a time I was sitting out and talking to two of my co-workers in the kitchen area. And we were talking together. And we started talking about the most physically painful events we had gone through in our lives. And after a while, I noticed something. Every time one of us got done telling a story, another one of us had to come and tell a story of something even more physically painful we had gone through. Yes, we men compete like this with one another. It sounds stupid to you women, and maybe it is stupid, but we do. We want to know that we're the men. We always fear being exposed, not being men. By the way, I'm pretty confident I won that challenge because I've gone through back surgery. Beat that. No one could that time. But your man is always asking, am I a man? If he does anything romantic for you, Please don't criticize him. He's trying. And if you give him criticism, he'll get the message of, Okay. 
I guess I'm not going to do this anymore. If he decides he's going to do the dishes for you, and he puts them in the wrong way, or he doesn't clean them the right way, by all means, you're going to want to correct him so that he can do better next time, but <clears throat> make sure to thank him first. He didn't have to do it at all. If the first thing you have for him is criticism, he will learn. Don't do this. Instead of say something, honey, I really appreciate this. You did a good job. Here, let me show you something. This can make it even better for next time. Be gentle with how you treat him. Your man is much more fragile than you realize. Many men take so much comfort in the praise of their women. Because praise from a woman says, you are my man and I delight in you. And criticism from his woman says, you do not measure up. You are not good enough for me. Miss Daphne comes through me area of sex. <laughs> Ladies, I get you're not going to say yes. Most likely every time your man comes, you want to have sex. But, you know, if you make it a habit of saying no consistently, he's going to get the message. You know what message is going to be? It's going to be, I'm not appealing. I'm not desired. I'm not the man to her. That's not the message you want to send. I get it. But that's the message he gets. If you have to say no, be sure to be kind, but then add in a later date. A date when you will be ready. And keep it. There was a lady even her about who wrote T.S. on her calendar some days. T.S. stood for think sex. That way she could be thinking about it all day long so she'd be ready. Ladies, when you reject a man sexually, it really lowers him so much more than you could ever realize. Because at that point, he feels like a failure. And he feels undesired to the only woman he gives himself to. And when it does happen, ladies, please don't do duty sex. A guy would put up with it because some beats none, but it's not going to mean as much to him. He doesn't want you to have sex with him just because, you know, you feel like you have to, and can we please just get this over with? I want to see what's on TV, things like that. Ladies, give yourselves to your man. Be excited. Be thankful. Both of you can appreciate one another. This is something exclusive you share. You know what? God made it to be enjoyed, and it's meant to bind a husband and a wife together. I mean, Paul even says in 1 Corinthians, do not deny your one another except by mutual consent. And even then, for only a short time, because of temptation. And he's, your man lives in a world of temptation. 
you know, I've described it to women. Here's how. Imagine you are on a diet. You desperately want to lose those last 10 pounds or so, okay? But you're shopping at a grocery store and you're going through the ice cream section or the cookie section or whatever it is for you. The chocolate section, whatever it is that is your big temptation, that is what your man fears to an extent, though not nearly that lever, every day in a world where he's surrounded in a world where sex sells and women are constantly displaying their bodies. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. Sometimes women just pick something out in the morning because they feel comfortable and they think it looks nice. They don't realize the way we men are all looking. Your man is in a minefield. And he holds his eyes away from all these women all day long. And he comes home to you. For one woman, he gives himself to you and who he can give himself to and who can give himself to him and gets told, no, it seems like it doesn't mean a thing to you at the time. It's devastating. I always say there's an exception to this. Is if the man is struggling with pornography and such, and he's not really working on it, I can definitely understand saying no of extent. Because your man really is telling you you're not worth that much. He'll just replace you with someone else. I want to be clear also on something else in marriage. There is never any excuse for abuse. Never. If you are being emotionally or physically or sexually abused, or even you men, if you're in this kind of situation, but if any spouse is in a situation where they are being abused, get out. Get help for yourself. Try and convince your spouse to get help and do not go back with them until you see they have been seriously taking change and working on it. You do not need to put yourself at risk that way. So, I mean, that, those are the cases where I definitely understand saying no to sex. But, I mean, you ladies, I can't guarantee you how much it means to you all. Because after all, I'm not a woman. But it means everything, it's really, to us men. A man wakes up in the morning, that's one of the first things he's thinking about. He can't help it. It's the way his body works. I mean, it's been said that a man will think about sex most every seven seconds. I'm still amazed by my wife's body. I still love kissing her and everything. It is still a sacred privilege to me. And... We men, we love it when we are wanted and desired and pursued. When you put effort into this, it tells us how much we are worth. And when you work to make yourself look good for us as best you can, it tells us how much you're worth. So I can guarantee you, if a man at home has a fulfilling sex life, he will be able to walk with his head held high everywhere else he goes and be much more confident in the world. Of course he is. He's the man. He knows he is because look at how his wife treats him. 
and your husband will be the guy that all the other guys are jealous of. And for you men, remember, give yourselves as much as you can to your wife. I mean, the scripture is very clear. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. So much so you're even willing to give your life for her. Sacrifice constantly. This woman is a sacred gift. Treasure her and love her. And if you do have struggles in your marriage, there's no shame in getting counseling. Try and meet with other couples who have good marriages and learn from them. If you're struggling with some kind of addiction like pornography and such and it's damaging your marriage, I recommend going into a group like Celebrate Recovery. Learn to get past whatever you're dealing with. And if you have a spouse getting it, it or average, if you have a spouse whose spouse is getting it, be supportive. Encourage them. It's not going to be an easy battle for them. But they are trying. And they are trying for you. And for all you young people, I mean, I want to stress this again. Please save sex for your wedding. Save it. It's something beautiful and sacred, and you don't want to just give it away cheaply. And you ladies especially, I know that sexting right now is a big thing. Sending those pictures of your body and such. You are gaining nothing good by doing that. But just misery and pain. Because, in essence, you're encouraging men to treat you like objects. And... You're pretty much giving yourself out free of charge. You're letting someone else see you who has no right to see you. Your body is something beautiful and special, and you need to treat it that way. It is God's gift to you. It is not an accident. And for all you youth ministers out there trying to encourage young people to save sex for marriage, please do that, pet. Don't just give them the negatives. Please let them know that this is something wonderful and awesome. It is one of the most fabulous experiences you can ever have. It is God's gift to a couple, but it needs to be held in its proper place. See, it's my hopes that this month we can have a lot of good talks on marriage. A whole lot of information coming out from people who've who've lived marriage well and stayed it. Marriage, if you're married, marriage is your first ministry. It's one of the first things people are going to notice about you. What kind of wife are you? What kind of husband are you? I try to post something for my wife on Facebook six days a week because I don't post on Facebook on Sundays. I love her that much. And the more I do that, the more my love grows. The more you do loving actions, the more you will love your spouse. Guys, the more you clean for her and take care of a house for her, the more you love her. And the more you have sex with your men, 
The more not only are you going to love him, the more you're going to want to have sex with him. It's a wonderful circle of the way it builds up. We're going to be talking about all these kinds of things, I hope. I'm sincerely working on getting guests and getting the final touches and such, finishing books, trying to arrange things. It's been difficult, again, for blames entirely on me, but today I... I really just want to talk about marriage some from, from my perspective. And I want to give some thanks to you at the end. I want to thank my parents for raising me in the church, in a Christian home. And always encouraging me to pursue my passions and such. That's why I ended up going into the apologetics ministry. And I think we have a better relationship now than we have in my head ever. Because, you know, now I'm... I am on my own. I am grown up and I have my own family here and I'm learning a whole lot more about what that means. And I want to thank my in-laws. I know I've made a lot of jokes and such this podcast, but you all gave me a sacred gift that no one has ever given me a gift like this before. You gave me your daughter who you'd raised for nearly 20 years. And I know I've made my mistakes. I know I've done things to let you down, but I take confidence at the end that you always say, we do not regret giving her to you. You are the best man we could have picked out for her. I've even gone, seen on my mother-in-law's Facebook right after I proposed where she says, she's engaged to the best man I could have ever imagined for her. And I'm really thankful for that. I mean, like I said, you all do many things for us, but the best gift I've been given from another human being like that is that. Well, with one exception. Thank you, Ari. Thank you for being the love of my life. Thank you for agreeing to marry this nerdy little apologist. You mean so much to me, because... You really are the best gift another human being has given me, ultimately. Your parents gave me a great gift indeed in giving me you, but you give me yourself. And you don't have to. And that means so much to me, and I love you so much. And I don't think I'll ever be able to do enough to convey all that to you, to show it all to you. Every time I try, it seems like I fall short. And I do notice my failures, and sadly, I beat myself up way too much for them, but please forgive my screw-ups. I know I've got a lot to work on. I can be way too sarcastic with you sometimes and get angry about things that I shouldn't, but if there's any human being in this world, I don't want to fail. It's you. I love you, Al. You're the love of my life. I can't, I can't imagine a nightmare of would be to live life without you. And any time you're away, it's just not the same. I can, I can barely function at those times. And of course, thanks be to God, who's given me this life, who's given me the ministry that I love, and the woman that I love. I know we're poor, but 
I have a ministry of love and one mother, like I said. In that case, I'm rich. Because the best gifts in the world are ones money can't buy. I have salvation in Christ, and I have Ari. Those two things are more than enough to make me happy. To all you listeners of the Deeper Waters podcast, thank you for listening. I really hope I haven't bored you in such too much today. This was something I kind of put together last minute impromptu. There's no script here. I don't speak of a script. I'm speaking straight from my heart. That's the way I do my speaking. I'm going to try and get a good guest on next week, but I hope this has been a good insight to help you get to know me better and to know why I value marriage so much. And I also definitely like to thank all of our friends, too many to name, but all of you who are so supportive and encouraging of us. It means so much. Wherever we've gone, we've found friends. And that's something wonderful. Because now, I'm Nick Peters, and I'm signing off.